that ye may believe. Uh, we're going to continue our study this morning in uh, John chapter 8. Um, reaching back to last week, if you remember, there was this whole who's your daddy idea that Pastor Russell was bringing to us uh, through the, the, his passage. And, you know, there's this back and forth going on between the Jewish leaders and Jesus. Um, it began way back probably in the beginning of the book of John, but what we see is that Jesus is speaking the truth, repeatedly responding to these Jewish leaders' comments or accusations or statements, and Jesus says the truth, but there's this constant battling going on back and forth. Um, you know, I, I'm a person that I don't like conflict. You know, I'll be the first to tell you that it's not something I like, uh, and probably to a fault, I tend to avoid conflict. Um, but I know that there are people, I've been around people that seem to enjoy conflict. Have you been around a couple that just seems like they're not happy unless they're fighting about something? You know, that's not me. That's not Vic and I for sure. You know, that's not our reality. I'm not sure how healthy that is, but I think that it happens sometimes and maybe they figured out how to live in that kind of world. But I couldn't help but think as we've been working through the eighth chapter of the book of John, this back and forth, this arguing between the Jewish leaders and Jesus about growing up as a child. I remember, now, you're, you old timers like myself will remember this. Younger people may have no recollection of it because it, it happened a long time ago, but we used to be able to watch wrestling on TV. Remember that, right? Some, of, some laughter, yeah. You used to watch wrestling on TV. It wasn't like the legit wrestling, although as a child, as a young boy, I kind of thought it looked legit. Uh, seeing a guy take a chair and hammer it over somebody's head and then he bounced up and continues on. I thought that may be normal. I didn't know, um, right? Uh, and fast forward, when I got into middle school, um, we actually had, I grew up in Clearwater, St. Petersburg area, and there was a facility that on Monday night hosted wrestling matches of the same nature. You know, these kind of things that were great entertainment, but not so real. Well, my uncle would take us, uh, my sister and I, to these wrestling matches and, and exactly that. It was great entertainment, but it's all it was. Uh, I think by middle school, at least I want to believe this. By middle school, I was catching on that this is all drama. It's all for entertainment, and it's not real. Fast forward to when I was a freshman in college. As a freshman in college, I had a buddy, a good friend of mine, who got into, I don't remember what kind of karate, but it was some form of karate. And he asked me if I wanted to go to a karate match in St. Petersburg. And I said, oh, yeah. He goes, well, it's a full contact karate match. And I'm like, I had no idea what full contract, contact karate match. I thought I had been watching as a little boy. Full contact wrestling, right? So we go, and because of some of the connections that he had, we ended up getting seated on the very front row of this full contact karate match. So the bell rings. Within seconds, this guy, and I'm not going to even try to do this. That would be embarrassing. But he spins around and catches his opponent with his foot in the face. I'm going to spare you the details because that's probably enough. But it was not a pleasant sight. I don't think, I could have been on the hundredth row and it probably would not have been any better. I heard the crush. I saw the sound. It was nasty. I think that did me in on the wrestling and the fighting, right? The bickering between two people, the fighting, the physical fighting, um, just over it. But here's the deal. 
is while Jesus' encounter with these Jewish leaders was not of the physical nature yet, because that's going to come, right? There was this definitely this verbal assault back and forth. Jesus always seeking to communicate the truth to these Jewish leaders and these Jewish leaders just not having it. They weren't willing to accept who Jesus was and what he came to proclaim. So this back and forth, some people say that it's like 10 times that we see this battle back and forth in chapter eight alone between the Jewish leaders and Jesus. And the big idea this morning that Jesus proclaims in our passage of of scripture at the very end is that Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is the great I am. And he came to offer everlasting life or life everlasting, eternal life. We've been running this sermon bumper right before our, our pastor preaches on Sunday mornings, and it's the great I am. It's the great I am. It's about the great I am. So join me this morning in chapter 8 of, our, of John, starting in verse 48. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than your father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say what I do not know him, then I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that in that day he would see, that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So I've broken this passage down this morning into these back and forths. Jesus says, and then the the response of the Jewish leaders. In verse 48, the Jewish leaders insults. They say, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a a Samaritan and have a demon? Now this may have been a response back, if you remember last week in Pastor Russell's passage in verse 44, Jesus says, you are of the fa- your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's work. Oh, it probably didn't settle real well on these ears of these Jewish leaders. And so they, st- they come back with this harsh accusation or insult. They say, you are a Samaritan. Quite a hateful thing for a Jew to say to another Jew. Because the Samaritans were, would be considered false teachers or God's rejects half-breeds, traitor to Israel. It may have been a follow-up to the whole idea, like Pastor Russell mentioned last week, who's your daddy? 
You know, while they recognized that Mary was a Jew, they didn't know who his dad was. Maybe he wasn't a full-blood Jew. So he's a half-breed. He's a Samaritan. Ugly, hateful thing for these Jewish leaders to throw at Jesus. Remember that the, Samar- the, the Jews despised the Samaritan so much so that they would walk miles out of their way to avoid going through Samaritan territory. They didn't want any of the dust of Samaria on their feet. But not only are you a Samaritan, but you have a demon. You have a demon, you're demon-possessed, which really he's saying, they're saying that you're a crazy man. All these things that you're saying, the things you're doing, you're crazy. Why do you think they say that he has a demon? Why assault him with the words that he has a demon? See, these Jewish leaders are saying that you're not only rejected by God, but you're also controlled by demons, and that's why you do the things you do. That's why you're acting out, you're saying all these things that are lies. You're not of your father. We are of our father. After hurling these, what I would consider mega insults at Jesus, I can imagine these Jewish leaders think, We've got him. You know, it can't be any harsher than those words. Now we'll keep him quiet. Maybe his followers will dispense. But Jesus responds. Verse 49 says, I do not have a demon. Now, what's notable about Jesus' response is he doesn't even deal with the issue of being called a Samaritan. It's interesting that he would avoid that. You know, maybe it's because he had no prejudice in him. And so he wasn't even going to deal with this crazy accusation that he was a half-breed, he was a reject. That wasn't even going to be something he dealt with. But he says, I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. There's three things that I think are very notable in this passage. First of all, the issue of honor. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. What does it mean to honor somebody? It's this inner attitude that results in an outward response. This inner attitude of honor or respect or to glory. See, Jesus came to receive humiliation, love sinners, expose evil, bear sin, feel shame, die a death. That's not glory. That's humiliation. Jesus wasn't seeking his own honor or glory. He came to honor his father. No way was Jesus seeking honor, but he was simply seeking to align himself perfectly with the will of his father. There's nothing self-seeking about a life that is seeking to honor the father. It's the father's glory that Jesus is seeking. So while Jesus is honoring his father, he says, you're not honoring your father. You claim to be of God. You claim to be a Jew that's following Abraham, but you're not honoring the father. By seeking to disgrace the Jews, the Jesus uh, dispels their own hypocrisy in that they're not even honoring the one that they claim to follow. Honoring the Lord is a very important thing in our world. 
Some people may look at your obedience to the truth of scripture and think that you're a crazy man because you honor God's word in a way that is right. They may look at the behavior of your life, the activity of your life and say, that's ridiculous. Why are you doing that? It's because I honor the Lord. And as I honor the Lord, people may look at us like we are crazy. In John 5, 22 and 23, it says, for not even the father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the son so that all will honor the son even as they honor the father. He, does not, he who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. So here's the deal. The father has given all judgment to the son. If you don't honor the father, then you can't honor the son. If you don't honor the son, you're not honoring the father, ultimately because we know that the two are one. I remember many years ago, not my habit to go home on a Wednesday night before a Wednesday night service. But back many years ago when I was doing student ministry, um, we were living in Gateway at the time. And for some reason, I can't remember why, but uh, I had to run home probably to get something, pick something up. So I ran home. I knew that it, I needed to get back to the office as soon as possible for youth group because it was important. I was an important person. Let me say that again. I was an important person in this scenario, right? So I had to race home, do whatever I had to do, and then I had to race back because youth group was happening and youth group needed me for it to happen. You following me? So uh, get whatever I was, had gone home to get and I jump in my car, I head back to church. I pull out on State Road 82 and I told you I'm in a hurry, right? Because I got to get back to church. It's an important thing happening. So as I pull out on A2, I look in my rearview mirror, and guess what? There's little blue lights going off, and it's not Christmas time. So I'm thinking, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So I don't try to outrun him. Bad advice. Mike, so I pull over. Now, what do you think the first thing I say to him? Do you think I say, do you know who I am and how important I am? I've got kids waiting for me to teach at youth group. No, that was not my response. I roll down the window and I say, with all respect, I say, officer, I'm sorry. I was guilty. I was clearly speeding. Okay. I was doing the wrong, but he was a position in authority over me. And I needed to pay him respect and honored the position because he was going to cast judgment on my, what the penalty was going to be for my crime of speeding. 20, 30 miles over the speed limit. I mean, it, it really was insignificant. <laughs> but he was a person in authority. He was gonna judge me. The honor is really important when it comes to believers. Our place of honoring the Lord, the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father, and His Word in our life, that position that He has over us. Why? Because He is the judge. He will judge us. So, which leads us to the idea of the warning of coming judgment. In 51, it says, 50, I'm sorry, verse 50 says, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. 
He is the judge. He is the judge. And he is going to judge each man and woman rightly. It's actually a crazy thought when you think that we are all sit under the judgment of our heavenly father. One day we will give an account for our life. And we must recognize that he is the ultimate judge. And then, which leads me to the next point, an invitation to eternal life. Jesus says, truly, truly, which that truly, truly is kind of, listen up, this is really important. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Now, let me remind you that Jesus is going back and forth with these Jewish leaders throughout the whole chapter of chapter eight, and they have just hurled some incredibly insulting words to Jesus. A Samaritan, you're, you're crazy, man, you're demon-possessed. And then Jesus throws out this invitation, this invitation to eternal life. Truly, truly, listen up. This is really important because I offer you eternal life. And he says this, he says, you will never see death. You will never see death. Now in their minds, seeing with the physical, well, all men die. Abraham died, the prophets have died, all men will die. It's appointed unto all men to die. So what does Jesus mean when he says that we will never see death? We will never see death? It's kind of a crazy idea. We will never see death. A couple months ago, I was doing a funeral service in here. It's not common anymore, to be truthful, it's not very common anymore at all to have an open casket at a funeral, Uh, but it still happens. And this particular funeral, uh, it was an open casket funeral. And I knew this man, and I knew that he loved Jesus. He had served Jesus faithfully for many, many years. He'd lived a long life. And before the service started, um, the casket's right here. And I'm sitting right there on that row, front, front row. And I'm looking at his body. And to be honest with you, I almost got emotional for a moment thinking about his body. And it reminded me that he is no longer there. That what we see is just that shell of his spirit, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That what I was seeing physically was not the reality of his life. This never see death. See, for my friend, at his last breath, when his eyes were closed, his last breath breathed, he entered eternity to live with his savior forever. He never saw death, never saw death. And I think that Jesus tells us, it gives us that idea of that eternal separation from God. He never saw. Those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior, repent, turn to him, will never see death. What a great, great thought. What a bold claim that Jesus makes and an offer to these Jewish leaders. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Die, yet live. Live eternal. Now, 
I think the reality is that many people are quite afraid of death. But for the believer, for the person who has put their faith in Jesus as their savior, and I know that many of you will identify with that truth, we should not fear death. They say that one of the greatest fears amongst men is the fear of dying. Now I get there's a lot of different aspects to that, but the reality is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And as a believer, I don't have to fear death. Tomorrow in our podcast, I'm going to be addressing this whole idea further about the fear of death and what Jesus is saying here. But this eternal life that Jesus offers is revealed to those, is revealed by those who live obedient to his word. Now, that's a different thing to say that those who live obedient, got to listen closely here. I'm not saying that those who live obedient to God's word will experience eternal life. It's those that have experienced eternal life, those that have positionally received Jesus alone as their savior by faith alone will live obediently to the truth of God's word. That's what Jesus is saying. See, all men are sinners, right? Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nobody perfect in here. Nobody is perfect. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We're all fallen. But it's not about position, but it's about direction. What's the direction of your life? Are you seeking to honor Christ in obedience to his word? Do you align yourself with scripture and seek to apply that to your word and such a, into, into your life in such a way that it's honoring to the Father? See, he says, if you continue in my word, in verse 31, if, chapter eight, if you continue in my word, continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you continue in my word, it's what you reveal. It's not about perfection, but it's about direction. What direction are you headed? See, our obedience to the word of God reveals our position in Christ. Our desire to follow and align ourselves with the truth of scripture identifies ourselves with who Jesus is as a follower of Christ. I identify myself by living obediently to God's word. And which leads us to the, Jesus, the Jewish leaders ask this key question. It's a huge question. It's a huge question. In verse 52 to 53, the Jews said to him, now we know that you're a, a, a demon. Abraham died as the prophets died. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than the father, our father Abraham who died and the prophets die, who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus, who are you? It's a great question. It's a question that has spanned time. And we still ask today, Jesus, who is this Jesus? Is he a savior? Is he a crazy man? Is he a liar? Who is Jesus? Who's Jesus in your life? Who is Jesus? See, 
Obviously, all people will physically die, but those that are in Christ will live eternally. The question for the, from the Jews is a question for all of us, all humanity. Who is Jesus and what have you done with Jesus? There are many people that just like these Jewish leaders that go through the motion of some kind of religion without a relationship. They've heard the gospel over and over and over again that Jesus alone, by faith alone, is what leads one to an eternity with him. Yet while they've heard it, they haven't received it. They haven't believed it. See, these Jew, Jewish leaders, they heard Jesus' proclamation over and over and over again, and they wouldn't receive him for who he is. It's easy to make Jesus to be something that we desire instead of the God who is, which leads us to point five, Jesus' declaration in verses 54 through 58. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not 50 year, yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, which is that, listen up, listen up, something really important. Truly, truly, I said to you, before Abraham was, I am. And this wasn't that Jesus just simply preceded Abraham. That would have been pretty miraculous to make that claim. But Jesus' I am, the Jewish leaders would have immediately raced back to Exodus 3, where God speaks to Moses and tells Moses to tell them that it is I am who speaks. There's an identification with Jesus and the Father. They're one, they're in alignment to the truth. It's oftentimes these Jewish leaders were more interested in the symbol of what they were going through. The physical terms, they couldn't see the, for the spiritual eyes, they just saw the physical. And they were more interested in the symbol of them following God than in the spiritual act. The Jewish leaders were very committed to their religion, but not their savior, not a savior. And they didn't recognize Jesus even though he was right there in front of him. Substance versus symbol, or symbol versus substance. A few weeks back, Pastor Russell and I were leading a group to Turkey doing the, step, the footsteps of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Incredible trip. But one of the things that I noticed about Turkey, the land of Turkey, is that they have mosques everywhere. And one of the things that the guide was sharing with us is that oftentimes these mosques were built by the government. They were incredible buildings, beautiful. A lot of tourists would flock to these mosques. But in speaking to the guide, and in speaking to some of the, the nationals that I met there, mostly, by and large, these mosques are empty, which is a good thing because we don't believe in Islam. But they had this incredible symbol without any substance. It's easy to turn our faith into something symbolic, going through the motions, regulations, rules, versus having an intimate relationship 
with our heavenly father. See, Jesus says, I am, I am, I am the savior. I am the one that was sent to redeem and call all sinners to repentance so that they could have eternal life. What an incredible gift that God has given to us. And what is the Jewish reaction, the Jewish leader's reaction to this? They pick up stones and they seek to kill him. Now, some have said that that probably would have been a very legitimate response because it would have been seen as blasphemous. Jesus, whether miraculous or whether just through the crowd slips away because it was not his time yet. But these Jewish reaction to seek to stone and kill Jesus because he didn't fit their, their expectation of what they wanted is interesting to me. So I wonder how many people hear the claims of Jesus, the claims that Jesus has made, and they don't like that claim so much. You know, maybe they want to pick and choose what they like and what they don't like, but at the end of the day, they reject the very offer, uh, invitation of eternal life through Jesus that he's given to us. See, we could have a lot of different responses to the good news of the gospel. That Christ alone, through faith alone, redeems man. God sent his son, who in every way possible honored his father and willingly laid down his life for our sins so that we might experience eternal life. So the question I'd like to leave with you is what have you done with this Jesus, the great I am?